0: Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the ATD NYC Unlocked Podcast, presented by the ATD New York City Chapter. Today, Marina and I are thrilled to have you with us as we delve into an essential topic for talent and development professionals, soft skills in the workplace. Joining us is Scott Asai, a talented expert who helps managers become leaders by honing their soft skills. With a background in psychology and organizational leadership, he is a certified professional coach and a Clifton CliftonStrengths coach. As a TEDx speaker, he knows how to captivate audiences and provide practical strategies for soft skill improvement. So, stay tuned as we uncover the importance of soft skills, how they benefit you and your team, and gain valuable insights from Scott's expertise. Before we dive into our chat with Scott, let's hear today's trivia question. Take it away, Marina.
1: Well, today's trivia question has to do with a SHRM survey that was conducted back in 2020. So SHRM conducted a survey of US workers and today's trivia question is, What percentage of the survey respondents said that managers in their workplace could use training on how to be a better people manager? So, again, that question is, what percentage of respondents said that managers in their workplace could use training on how to be a better people manager? So, of course, you're going to have to wait until the end if you want to hear the answer. But in the meantime, you know, what do you think the answer might be? All right, moving on to today's topic. So before we get into it, hey, Samantha, you know, I was scrolling through the internet as one does, and I came across this report that LinkedIn did back in 2019, a 2019 Global Talent Trends report. And it found that 89% of recruiters say that when a hire doesn't work out, it usually comes down to a lack of soft skills. Does that surprise you at all?
0: Doesn't really surprise me. I can say in my own workplace, you can have the most extraordinary technical skills. But if you don't know how to communicate those skills in a way that people can latch on to, if you don't know how to work with a team effectively, then it definitely affects the performance of the team and the organization. So I would say soft skills are truly, truly important. Well,
1: I'm glad you think it's important. And I'm that's why I'm also excited that we have Scott here today to talk to us more about it. Welcome to the show Scott.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, we're excited to have you as well. Um so let's just dive in. I know that I've heard the term soft skills used throughout my career to describe different characteristics like communication and teamwork and conflict management. But I'm really curious to understand from you, Scott, why the focus on soft skills and why use the term soft?
2: Yeah, well, you know, briefly, just to kind of open up, I want to just define what soft skills are first. Really, it's just the ability to interact effectively with other people. So that happens through communication, that happens through nonverbal communication, you know, it's your ability to read people and react, things like that. In terms of the terminology, you know, I've heard things like human skills, power skills, different terminology. I think for me, I don't get too caught up in the terminology. Could there be a better term for it? Possibly. But I think people know what soft skills are when, when they're brought up. So I think you know, instead of focusing on the name change, I just focus on trying to help improve them in general. So I don't have as much of an opinion on the name as I do in terms of how to get them better for people.
1: So you're not concerned at all with people thinking they're not as important because they're quote unquote soft?
2: No, not really. I mean, I think uh, hard skills are a little bit more tangible. People understand what they are to a degree, but because soft skills have really started to gain momentum over the past couple of years, they're definitely in the mainstream. They're not going to go away. In my opinion, they're only going to get stronger in terms of value. So at this point, um, they could be renamed, rebranded to a degree, but then you might have to educate people on what those are again.
0: Yeah. So I'm curious to know why you think soft skills are so important to your own success, to a company's success, to a team's success. Why are they valuable in the workplace?
2: Well, you know, the last time I checked, unless you're a sole proprietor like myself, you're always going to work with people. If you're working for a company, you're working on a team, you're even building a business, right? You're not doing it alone. And so essentially, I like the Quote, nothing great is accomplished alone. And I think that when it comes to the importance of soft skills, it comes down to how well can you play with other people? How well can you work with other people? And in this age, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but in this age of automation, really soft skills are going to be your differentiator. You know, there's nothing to say that AI or automation or robots can take your job. But in my opinion, something like a manager really can never be replaced if they have. Strong soft skills. So I see it as something that's only growing. And, you know, I have a couple of stats I wanted to share, I think will sort of back up my case. I've read that 93% of employers term soft skills as very essential or important. And the second one is 85% of workplace success comes from soft skills. So that means that only 15% technically comes from hard skills. So I think the data backs it up. I think if you ask people in terms of, why they feel like some managers succeed and some don't, I think it would come down to soft skills for the most part. And it's a challenging thing because it's one of those things that isn't really taught in school and or even at companies. And so I find myself in a unique situation where I'm doing a lot of training and things that I maybe consider as common sense don't necessarily come natural to a lot of people.
1: You've started us down this road of technology and talking about managers. And with chat gpt and all the different ai things that are coming out now we know that the world of work is changing and that the role of the manager is going to change everyone's role is going to change so how do you see the role of soft skills changing as we move down that road
2: you know i don't necessarily think that the like i said the value of soft skills is going to change very much i think that people can use technology to aid or make things a little bit more efficient in terms of tasks But I know for me, if I was working for a manager and all I was hearing was a robot's voice, it wouldn't really mean much to me. And I think the ability to respond genuinely, I'd even say that sometimes our complaints about managers or maybe what we deem as micromanagers is that it feels very robotic. It feels as if the person doesn't care about us, right? And I think that soft skills really is that edge that you need in terms of being able to build a connection with people and I just don't feel like, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't feel like AI is ever going to be able to do that. I think it can aid managers in a way, more so with task completion, but in terms of being able to connect with people, I just don't feel like it's ever going to get there.
1: And going to that point of connection, I mean, managers are overwhelmed. They are just have so much work that they're trying to do. A lot of them are squeezed in the middle. So who even has time to exhibit these soft skills?
2: Well, I'll say this, I I feel like the litmus test for most managers actually is the one-on-one meetings. And it comes down to frequency. I'm a big advocate for weekly, even if it's not an hour, it could be a half an hour, that's easy. But these days, if the employee is not heard or they don't feel like cared for, or they don't feel like they're getting some form of professional development, you know, the reason why 75% of people leave poor managers, not companies, is because of that relationship, right, or lack thereof. And so, if, if managers are not beefing up their soft skills or not improving them, then essentially what they're doing to a company is they're chasing talent out the door. So, we wanna talk from a high level about retention. We wanna talk about turnover. Managers really control that metric because people are leaving because they don't feel like their managers are good at what they do. And in essence, what that's doing is that's creating turnover. And then your individual contributors, especially the strong ones, are probably gonna go to competition because they're gonna feel like, hey, maybe the grass is greener on the other side, and or maybe I feel like I'm gonna get more professional development opportunities. So I think it's it's really vital. Maybe the urgency that I see is a little bit more than the average person because I work in the trenches, but I just feel like, especially over the last couple of years during COVID, I think with everybody going remote, at least initially, and now people coming back to in-person or hybrid, the need and importance, and people who actually thrived in soft skills, in my opinion, have actually gained more value over the last couple of years.
0: I love this conversation because I'm a person that really values the power of relationships in the workplace, and especially with one's manager and leader, because that's the way that you can grow through the relationship that you establish. I'm curious though, if you have a manager who maybe has some weak spots in their soft skills, because we all have had those managers who may struggle a little bit in this area, what are some ways that you can help a manager grow in these areas and especially as a talent development professionals can help managers with soft skills.
2: Yeah, well, without going too deep into this, I think one big error that a lot of companies make is that they promote the wrong people. And what I mean by that is that a lot of times individual contributors who do it really well, high achievers on their team, they get promoted because that's the next raise. That's the next vertical move that they're gonna make. And I think it's sort of romanticized from the outside, like, oh, I get a promotion, I'm going to get a raise, right? But understand that when you get promoted to a manager, that the skills that you got recognized for are not the ones that are going to help you thrive in your next role. So now if you're not willing to take a back seat and not get the recognition that you probably got because you got promoted, and sort of play behind the scenes in ways you're sort of a therapist to a degree, because you're sort of putting out fires all over the place, right? A lot of your job is putting up with distractions, you're not really you can't go into a cubicle and sort of put your head down, and close the door and do work. Your job really is to help other people get better. And I think that's something that isn't naturally taught for new managers. And I think really what it comes down to is a lot of companies aren't prepared for the training that they're going to have to give someone who's a new manager. I'd argue to say it's probably the most difficult role at any company, because there's not really a handbook for it. And if there was a handbook, it's probably not going to be complete. Because there's so many scenarios that we just don't have rules for or we don't have past experience for and so it's a really unnatural transition and i think companies who want to do that in my opinion really should identify who the natural leaders are and or call on people who are doing a good job at managers to either identify or mentor future managers because most of the time, I would say that a lot of managers really shouldn't be in that role. And it's not necessarily always their fault. There's a little bit of fault that falls on the employer because they put them in that role. And if you've taken someone out of their sweet spot and you've put them in a position where they're essentially going to flop, there has to be a little bit of a responsibility on the employer for not identifying that that person probably wasn't a good fit for that role in the first place.
1: So I just want to backtrack and ask you to clarify a little bit, because you just talked about our audience is full of talent and development professionals. They're the ones that are on the ground doing the thing that you just described as being so hard. And you talked about identifying natural leaders. So are you saying that soft skills come to people naturally? And what's the point of doing the training?
2: So I think that if you can identify people who have natural leadership abilities, which means that they're leading people and people already view them as leaders, whether they have positions or not. Those people are going to have probably a, a quicker learning curve. They're going to be able to pick things up regardless of what they have experience. It doesn't matter if they've held a role before, if they've been past managers. They're, they're sort of doing it because naturally that's what they're good at. For everybody else who is the majority of people, what I'm saying is that I think the idea of ongoing training is going to become the trend that these manager workshops it cannot be a one-time thing it can't be an orientation hey you got the job congratulations here it's a two-week orientation and then now you're ready to go i think it's got to be something where it's, it's going to be ongoing i think external coaches are going to be brought in i think that hr may have to dedicate a certain department and or at least a person to be able to do manager training because it's one of those things that's really dynamic and managers don't just impact their team they also affect in a way recruiters to a degree because if I have someone who's under my care who I'm doing a good job with, chances are they're probably going to recruit some of their friends. And so now I already have a vetted candidate who I feel like is going to maybe bring some value and, and it's sort of this positive brand message that you're putting out there. And so I just think that when it comes down to it, if you can identify and create a list of leadership qualities that you want to see in your managers, first of all, I think that's going to be really key. And if you find someone who fits that bill, then I feel like it's worth giving them a chance, but for the other people who you decide to just promote in general, I think the question would be, are you willing to put in the time and energy to really get them up to par? And if you're not, then maybe you, you don't put that person in that position because I think a lot of it's going to be having realistic expectations, not only just for the role, but also for the person that you're putting in that position, because if they know what they're going to expect, I always tell people, If people knew what to expect when they became new managers, the majority of them wouldn't want to do the job in the first place.
1: I I think there's a lot of, there would be a lot of agreement. Both Samantha and I are nodding our heads to that last statement. But just to to follow up, because you said you used the term on par in terms of which manager denotes a a level of effectiveness. How do you go about measuring soft skill effectiveness? You know, again, we're, we're an audience of talent development professionals. And we have to report back to our leadership to say, we're using the money in the right way. If you're saying like soft skills are important, how do we go about measuring whatever we're doing is being effective?
2: Yeah. So I think there's two things that come to mind. First, if you want to go anonymous and you sort of want this sort of anonymous feedback, as long as you're getting it, really, you can go through surveys. And I think those are going to be internal and they're going to be on probably a point system, you know, Hey, rank this manager from one to five in these particular areas. That's a little bit more of like a Gallup, I would say approach to it. But ultimately, I think it's going to come down to feedback and that's going to come through observation. That's going to be doing 360 feedback through the individual contributors, through coworkers, through supervisors, because what happens is that sometimes with someone who maybe lacks some soft skills, there's a lack of self-awareness and the lack of self-awareness is going to trickle over to a lack of social awareness, which means that the way they see themselves and the way other people see them is a little bit far off. So if I'm, if I'm a manager with say, you know, high emotional intelligence and I say to them, well, you know, I'm going to do my best to actively listen, but know that my tendency is to just want to get in there and fix things. At least I'm aware of that. And I'm going to try to work on that. And I'm going to ask for accountability probably from people who are above me, or at least on my peer level. But for people who lack that a lot of times it's a matter of, well, yeah, I'm a good listener and the person's like uh no you're not and really what what matters is actually the person who's being listened to right it doesn't really matter what your opinion is at that point right that's a that's sort of a a branding issue and so i think a lot of times what happens is there's the way to measure it because it's not as tangible as say a hard skill is really you have to gather that feedback and when that feedback starts to match up what other people are saying and what you're saying about yourself is really accurate then you can have a better idea of like what you actually need to work on and if you're doing well then, you know, you should be recognized for doing that well. But I think there's always room for improvement. And I think also a leader's willingness to not only give feedback, but able to actually receive feedback and even ask for it, I think is a sign of humility. It's also a sign of maturity. And if you as a manager feel like you're bulletproof, you're off to a bad start, because you're already going to be on the most wanted list at your work, because people are going to know that you're far off from from where reality is. And so you know, I don't think that people really expect their managers to be perfect. Quite honestly, if you do, like, you're going to be disappointed. But people expect honesty and transparency from their managers. And that means things like conveying messages from up top that it doesn't feel like it's PR-ish. It has to feel genuine. And even if they're not getting the answer that they want, I would rather hear the raw, honest answer that's not going to throw the company under the bus versus feel like, you know what? I, I really can't trust him or her because I feel like the answer is really fabricated. So at the end of the day, I think when it comes to soft skills, I mean, I hate to say this, but I think a lot of times you can smell out a fake, and and it, it happens over time. And even though soft skills may may not be something you can write down and say yes, this and that, besides something like a feedback type scenario where you're ranking things, I think you ask around and you get that verbal feedback via observation interaction. And you'll know right away who's effective and who's not.
0: This is so fantastic. I want you to come into every workplace and give these types of training and coaching because I think everybody could benefit. So you touched upon briefly, but it seems to be this common theme these days in all of our episodes about AI and especially that soft skills are going to become that much more important. How do you see technology helping teach soft skills?
2: So I know that there definitely are some gamified activities or options that are out there that help move people along. I think people are I think the reason why people like games is because they're very achievement oriented. That's one of people's motivators. And so they want to see they're making progress on this bar. right? It's like a video game or something like that. And those are good. I think those are good entry points. Um, Online courses are helpful. But uh, but I'll say that online courses have their limitations because they're just purely information. There's there's usually not interaction. If you're sort of pushing play on something and you're watching it, I think it's a good, like I said, it's a good starting point. It's a good way to sort of get your feet wet. I also think that if if done right, I've seen training courses where there's sort of these mock mock questions asked, and then you're you have to hit record and and record an answer and then you get rated or something like that or judged afterwards. I think those are those are all good things. Ultimately, the reason why I'm such a big advocate of soft skills over something like AI in terms of where we're going with technology is the fact that I think, like I said before, I think COVID really exposed that. When people went home and let's just use, we're we're talking about managers here. As a manager, if you were used to being a people manager in person and now you're a people manager remotely, I'd argue to say that if you had problems in person, you're going to have way more problems remotely. Now, do I think that the same principles work for the most part in person and remotely? Yeah, I do, actually. I think that things like building a connection, making sure that you're helping people solve their problems, giving them the resources that they need, listening to them, helping them be independent, not dependent upon you to find answers and create their own solutions. Those types of things are going to work regardless of the working situation. But I think someone who liked to look over their cubicle and see someone who's working or someone who wants to like, kind of peek in on their work and look over their shoulder. You can't do that anymore. So if anything, I think, you know, I've heard the statistic that 43% of managers experience burnout. That's higher than any other role at a company. i mean, maybe there's other roles that are out there that we just don't know about, but for a role that everybody knows what that is, that's really high. That's like almost one in two people. Now, why is that? Well. There's a lot of reasons for that. I'd say one of the reasons why is that a lot of times managers are playing dual roles. They're still individual contributing, and then they're also told to manage. So essentially, they're doing two jobs. My question would be back to: is is the cost worth it? In the beginning part, if you knew what you're getting into, would you still get into it? And I think for most people, the answer would be no, and that's okay. But people have to understand that if they want to climb this ladder, that companies should be offering other options. The natural next role after being successful in your individual contributor role shouldn't always just be a manager because it's a different skill set. And quite frankly, if companies are not willing to teach that skill set, then they're really not going to succeed in it. And it's nothing against the person. It's just the reality that it's a very dynamic thing. I tell people that you can learn leadership skills, but to be a great leader, be a great manager, It's also there's also an art form to it. That's why you really can't learn it completely from a book. I could go through a course, I could get a, a master, I have a master's in organizational leadership, but I'm not gonna say that that was more important than managerial experience. Let's not shortchange the fact that some people have natural talent toward it, but for the most part too, like most jobs, being a great manager is something you really gotta work at. And I think that the great ones separated from the good or the the poor ones is really how strong are their soft skills. And I think that's only going to help them rise to the top in this age of automation where I I just can't imagine being managed by a robot.
1: It might happen though.
2: Yeah, it might happen. I don't want to be that person who's under that, but you know, it might happen. I hope
1: not. (laughs) There's going to be some organization out there that's like, it's going to be cheaper and more effective if we have people managed by robots. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's probably gonna happen in we'll our teach lifetime the robot soft skills how about that <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yeah that's worthy at best but
1: and on that note we come to the close of our uh, episode today we just have a few more questions one question we typically ask our guests is what is a tip trick or hack that you would like to share with our listeners today
2: Yeah, I'm glad you asked this one because I actually do this in almost all my talks, uh, which have been virtual for the last couple of years because that's where work is. When it comes to soft skills, I always tell people that you can agree that soft skills have importance intellectually. There's not a lot of people who would be like, no, 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 soft skills are not important. The question is, is, do you want to get better at them? And the only way to get better at them is to practice. So in a lot of my talks and workshops, I make sure that I do some type of role play demonstration where I actually have people observe and or repeat back or play certain roles. When someone says to me, as an example, how do I get better at public speaking? My answer is do it. And they're like, well, wait, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm like, you need to volunteer to do it. Whether that being Toastmasters, whether that mean doing a presentation at work, whether that means like asking to be part of the interview team, I don't I don't really, It's a, it doesn't really matter, paid or unpaid doesn't matter. But it's a situation where we go back to the idea of soft skills are like a muscle, they only develop when you use them. And so my tip would be, if you want to get better at a soft skill, pick one, and then figure out how to practice it.
1: That is sound advice. And I hope people take you up on that.
0: And Scott, because I know all of our listeners are going to want this information after listening to you in our episode today, how can people get in touch with you? Where can they find you?
2: Yeah, so I'm really active on LinkedIn. Uh, you could just type in my name. The last time I checked in, the only Scott aside there. So you can find me there. And I'm, I'm really active in terms of if you send a connection request, I'll, I'll accept it. If you send a message, I'll get back to you. And the other way too is to just go to my website, which is my name, scottasai.com. And you can see some of the work that I do there. But those are probably the two best places to reach me. And I would love to have a conversation. I would love just to connect with you. To me, I feel like I practice my soft skills. I'm not all talk. And so if you have questions, you want to ask something, you're curious about training, I would highly recommend you to reach out. I don't bite.
1: That's great. You hear that, everyone? Reach out to Scott. He's going to get back to you. Thank you so much, Scott, for being with us today. And now I want to turn it back to our trivia question. I asked earlier that Sherman conducted this survey, and the question was, what percentage of respondents said that managers in their workplace could use training on how to be a better people manager? And the answer is 57%. And interestingly enough, an additional 50% of respondents felt that their own performance might be enhanced if their manager received training on how to be a better people manager. And most of the areas that they suggested managers could improve were soft skills, communication, time management, delegation, et cetera. So again, learned anything from today's episode, it's bone up on those soft skills.
0: Thanks everyone for joining. See you next time. And thanks again, Scott.
2: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the ATD NYC Unlocked podcast. We hope you found this episode engaging and informative, and that you've gained new perspectives in the talent and development industry. If you like this episode and are interested in finding out more about the ATD NYC chapter, visit our website at atdnyc.org. That's atdnyc.org. And if you'd like to join the chapter, use the code ATDNYCTEN, that's ATDNYCTEN, to get 10% off your new individual membership fee. Now stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, keep striving to unlock your potential in the field of talent and development.